Well, I hope you are having a good uh, weekend. I want to begin this morning by telling you about a coach of a basketball team in the United States, a university basketball team. And uh, every year this coach invites his players to come for the first team meeting of the year. And when he does, the, the rookies are always surprised because when they come to this meeting, they come expecting to enter a room where there's chalkboard and diagrams and, and playbooks and, and scouting reports and all that. And instead, instead they enter a room where there is a fine table set to eat. There's fine linen on the table. There's china plates. There's like, you know, three or four pieces of cutlery on both sides. There's, there's crystal glasses and, and candles and fine linen napkins. And the coach says, gentlemen, please have a seat. And so the players sit down at the table there. And then he invites out a lady who begins to instruct them on how to eat a proper meal. How to, how to put the napkin on their lap. And the appropriate way to ask for the salt to be passed. And which fork to use for which course. And then, then they serve this fantastic meal. And they actually practice all the things that this lady had taught them. And then when the meal is over... And the coach stood up and said, gentlemen, we are a division one team and a division one team that wins the national championship is always invited to the White House for dinner. And so, gentlemen, I want you to be prepared and to know how to act when we get invited there for dinner. This was a coach who began with the end in mind. He wanted his team at the very beginning to to have a picture, a vision of what could and would happen if they persevered, if they carried on through the season and were victorious. Because, of course, he knew. He knew in that season coming up, there would be some hard times. There would be some long practices. There'd be sweat and hardship and some tough games. But if they carried on, if they were ultimately successful, they would have dinner with the president. Now, starting with the end in mind is not a, not a bad idea at all for a team that is seeking a national championship. And it's also a pretty good idea for we who are followers of God. Because in a similar way that a team is shooting for a prize, we also are aiming for a prize, for a goal. And just as a team will have highs when they win and, and, and lows when they struggle, we also face that kind of challenges in our walk with God. And sometimes in our walk with God, particularly when we're struggling, when it's hard, there are times we simply need to persevere, or we simply need to trust God and keep going. And those can be particularly hard times for us. Sometimes we, you know, we wonder, God, I I thought if I followed you, you were supposed to make this easier for me. Where are you in this? And and God, are you even at work in my life? And, And sometimes if it's a long time that we struggle, sometimes we're tempted to quit. And it's in those times when it's good to have the end in mind, to have a picture of what God can and will do in a person's life if they persevere, if they continue to trust him no matter what. And this story we're going to look at today in the book of Genesis is a story in the life of Abraham that gives us just a glimpse, just a little picture of what God can and will do in a person's life if they continue to follow him through all the years. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me the book of Genesis, chapter 21. And uh, if you didn't bring your Bibles, there should be one near you. And you can find this on page 15 of your Bible. Now, by the time we come to this story, Abraham is about 105 years old. And if you've been uh, tracking with us over this summer, you know that he was about 75 years old when God first called him to follow after him. 
So that means that by this time, God, uh, Abraham has been following God for over 30 years. And, and if you haven't already noticed, Abraham's journey of faith is not unlike ours, uh, most of ours, in that he had some very high times with God, some very high points in his walk with God, and some very low points. I mean, when God first called him and said, leave the land, he left and God said to him, I will bring you a new land and I will give you this land and I will make you a great nation. And Abraham must have started out with great excitement and boldness and expectation for God, what God would do in and through his life. And then when he got to Canaan, he found out there was a drought on, there was a famine going on in this land that God had promised him. And so he, he runs away, he goes down to Egypt And you know, in Egypt, he lied to Pharaoh, told Pharaoh that his wife was actually his sister, got his wife stuck in in Pharaoh's harem. It was a mess. And God had to rescue him. And and then he came back to Canaan to find out that he was still suffering from drought. And even though he said, God, I'm going to trust you, when he offered Lot, his nephew, a choice of the land, Lot took the good land and he was still stuck with the dry, dusty land. And on top of that, his ungrateful nephew who went to the good land got caught up in some fighting between some local kings. And so then Abraham had to arm his own men and risk his own life to go and to rescue Lot. But in that that experience, he had an amazing encounter. He met the king of Salem, a man named Melchizedek, who happened to be the, the priest of God Most High and who blessed him in a profound way. And not long after that, God appeared to him and said, Abraham, I want to make a covenant with you. And you remember that he cut the the animals directly in half and God in the form of a smoking pot and a flaming torch passed between it. And now Abraham was having these profound, incredible experiences with God himself. And yet, after all this time, God still hadn't even given him one little piece of land or even given him a son. So he and Sarah and their concubine, Hagar, cook up this plan to have a a child through Hagar. And that becomes a mess again. There's problem and there's tensions in their family and all kinds of issues that come up. And then, and then God goes silent. At the end of chapter 16, when Hagar gives birth to Ishmael, between the, the last verse of chapter 16 in the verse chapter first verse of chapter 17 there's a 13 year gap where God says nothing to Abraham just silence then after 13 years God shows up and he says to Abraham Abraham I haven't forgotten my promise I'm still going to do it in fact Abraham I want you and, and all the men in your family to be circumcised and so that's what he does and then God says and by the way Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm going to go and I'm going to destroy them. And Abraham begs God, no, please, don't, 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 don't do this. And yet God goes and he punishes those cities, but he rescues his nephew Lot who is living in Sodom. But in that process, Lot's wife dies and his daughters and him get involved in serious sin and basically Lot's family blows up. And then... And then he meets the king of the Philistines, a man named Abimelech, and and he's worried that he's going to kill him for his wife, uh, that he's going to kill Abraham for Sarah. And so he lies again like he did in Egypt. And again, there's all these issues in 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 his life. And again, God has to rescue Sarah. And then finally, finally, after 25 years, the son comes through his wife, Sarah. And there's laughter in his home. But even then, 
Even then, there's tension because Hagar and her, her, her son Ishmael are mocking Isaac, his son by Sarah. And, and finally, he, he has to send them away with God's blessing and his provision for them. And, and that's, that's Abraham's faith journey up to this point. Highs and lows, forward and backwards. Times where he, he's so close with God and times where he's far away. Times of deep trust and times of paralyzing fear. Does sound familiar? Sound like maybe your spiritual journey or mine? You know, if you were to trace out your walk of faith with God, would it follow the same pattern? Probably not as dramatic as Abraham's. And yet, you know, if you and I were honest in, in, in our walk with God, it often goes the same way, doesn't it? So, sometimes it ups, sometimes down. Sometimes two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes we feel so close to God and sometimes we feel so far away from God. But you know what? That's what a journey of faith looks like. That's how it goes. And for 30 plus years now, Abraham has walked that journey with God and followed God in both the good times and persevered in following him through the really hard times. And now we come to this little story at the end of Genesis chapter 21. And here we catch just a glimpse of what God has been working into his life as he has continued to persevere and follow God. So let's read this story. Genesis 21, beginning in verse 22. This is the word of God. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity, But as I have dealt kindly with you, so uh, you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done these things. You did not tell me, and I have not heard it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of his flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? He said, These seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore that place was called Beersheba, because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant of Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. So here we have this little story in the middle of Abraham's life, but it gives us a glimpse, just a picture of what God can do and does do in a person's life when they persevere in following God over many years. So let's go back and look at it more carefully. Verse 22, it begins this way. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. You know, these two powerful men, the king of the Philistines and his army commander, show up on Abraham's door and they say, Abraham, we want to have a peace treaty with you. And not only between you and us, but between your descendants and us. But they start the conversation this way. They start out by saying, you know, Abraham, we've been watching you. We've been hearing about you. We've done our research, and this is one thing that we know for sure about you. God is with you in everything that you do. 
Now that's a pretty interesting statement coming from a pagan king and his pagan army commander. They, they, they look at his life and they say to him, you know, we can see that God is with you in all that you do. And not just sometimes, in everything, all the time. God is with you when things are going well in your life. But he's also, we see he's also with you when things aren't going well. And even when you make dumb decisions, like, for instance, telling us that your wife is actually your sister, even then, God is at work in the midst of your situation, and he's protecting and caring for you. And you know, when we look back over Abraham's life, we can see that too, can't we? I mean, no matter when it was, those times when he was really close to God, when they spoke face to face, but also when he made some really dumb mistakes and, and when he went through some hard times, God was always with him. And you know, there must have been days, weeks, and maybe months or even years when, when Abraham wondered, God, this is so hard. This is not at all what I expected from following after you. And I'm not sure what you're doing here. And yet now, Years later, looking back, Abraham and these men who don't even know God, they can look at his life and say, oh yeah, oh, we can see God was always, always, always walking with you. You see, by this time in Abraham's life, Abraham had a history with God. He had a track record so he could see and know God's faithfulness in his life. But that takes time. You have to persevere through some tough things. I mean, when Abraham first followed God, God said, follow me. And he ends up in Canaan and there's a famine going on. Abraham could have said to God, really? This is what you called me to? No, no thanks. I'm done. But he doesn't. And when he ends up down in Egypt and his wife ends up in a harem because of his own foolish mistakes, Abraham could have said, God, this is all your fault. Because that's often what people do when they make foolish mistakes and and God is somewhere involved in it. They say, well, God, this is all your fault. I'm done. But he doesn't. He said, okay, I'll keep going. He comes back to Canaan and Lot gets the good pieces of land. He could say, God, what, what good is it for me to follow you here and now if you're not helping me in my life, if you're not helping me get ahead in this life here and now? And he doesn't. But it must have been hard for him. It must have, must have been difficult in those days. And yet he perseveres in trusting God. And now, now when he looks back, He can see that God has been with him in everything that he does. And here's the first thing that God builds into our lives when we're faithful to follow him over the long haul. He gives us a sense of perspective. He gives us the ability to look back and to see in our own journey what the Bible tells us to be true. That God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And you can trust him no matter what. And of course, we know this is true because this is what the Bible tells us. But when you walk with God over an extended period of time, you get the privilege of seeing that in your own life. And seeing it in your own life, not just in Abraham's life, gives you a beautiful sense of perspective, an ability to look back and say, oh yeah, I can tell you, God is so faithful. In fact, if you've walked with God any amount of time, you should be able to do that. Look back and begin to see all these places where he has been faithful. Now, I can remember a time in my 20s when I had a job as a high school teacher. And I, I really sensed God calling me to leave that perfectly good teaching job. And I prayed about it and I fasted. And then I said, okay, God, if this is what you're calling me to do, I'll do it. And I left that job. And for the life of me, I couldn't get another job. 
I was educated, I was hardworking, I was clean cut, and the only job that I could possibly get after that was a dead-end job that I hated. I said, God, you know, I'm trying to be obedient to you. How, How did I end up here? But you know, it was during that time that, uh, that I got involved in a church very much like this one. And for the very first time in my life, I got involved in a small group and experienced the power and the beauty of being in close relationship with a few other believers. And I developed some of the closest Christian friends in my life out of that experience. And now when I look back on it, I saw that God was preparing me for a life of, of ministry that he would later call me to. I can think of another time in my life, not long after Newell and I were married. Uh, we'd been married about a year and a half. We just had a little baby girl, and we'd been living in this tiny, we'd been renting this tiny little apartment where there's hardly room to move. And so we, we, we decided we were going to buy a, a bit larger apartment. And so we went out and put an offer on that apartment, and the offer went through. And the week before we were supposed to move into it, my wife looked up on the news, and our apartment building was on fire, and our apartment was destroyed. And we said, God, what are you doing? I mean, we're stuck in this tiny little apartment with this baby who cries all the time. No room. We went to the, the person we bought the house from. We said, we, we want him back out of our contract because it's going to be eight months to a year before we can move in. And they said, no. So we were stuck. And yet when we look back, we see God's faithfulness. He protected us from great financial loss. He gave us a refurbished apartment. And in that time, he, he grew our marriage in beautiful ways. God was with us every step of the way. And I could tell you other stories like that. But I'll bet if you look back in your life, you could do the same. And you know those stories of of God's faithfulness in your life that you have because you've persevered, because you've continued to walk with him? You should tell those stories over and over. You should tell them to your family and your friends and your neighbor and your children and your grandchildren. You should tell them so many times that when you begin to tell them again, your children say, oh, not again. Because... Because there's stories of God's faithfulness. And they give perspective to your life. They help you see and understand what God has already done in your life and what he will do in what's coming up next. One of the beautiful things about persevering in your walk with God is that when you do, over time, he will build into your life a beautiful sense of perspective. This is the first benefit of perseverance. But then there's a second benefit. Look at verses 23 and 24. King Abimelech is speaking. He says, Now therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity. But as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. So now this this king who's so intrigued by this man who has walked faithfully with God comes to him and says, I want peace with you. Swear to me that you and me will be in a peace agreement. And Abraham's response is real simple. He just says, I will swear. And here's the second quality that we see in the life of a person who has walked with God for many years. There is a gentleness and a confidence in their life and in their relationship with the people around them. Abraham's a powerful man. This is a man with great wealth, a man with all kinds of servants, a man who, if you remember, went to war against five kings and defeated them. And when these guys came to him seeking a peace treaty, he could have been demanding. He could have said, look, you want to know who you're dealing with here? You better ask more politely. You better show me how important I am. Or he could have said, you know, God has promised me this land and I'm not making a peace agreement with you until you give me at least some of this and it becomes formally my land. 
Or he could have said, no, I'm not going to make a peace agreement with you because I want to leave my options open. But he does none of those things. Instead, he's glad to live at peace with them because he doesn't have to prove anything to them. They know and he knows that who he is and all that he is is only because of God. And that it'll be God who will care for him in the future. So there comes into his life this kind of gentle confidence that comes from years of faithfully following after God. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's a freeing thing. Gordon MacDonald, he's a a pastor and author. He, He was asking a couple of guys who they knew in their life who had this kind of an a characteristic, who had this kind of mix of, of gentleness and confidence in their life. And one of the guys said, oh, let me tell you a story. The guy who he knew was his grandfather. He said, my grandfather was a farmer. He had all these trucks and all these tractors. And when I was a kid, he would teach me how to drive those. He said, one, one, one year we were out in the field. I was about 12 years old. And my grandfather turned to me and he said, son, you go back to the barn and bring the truck out here. And he was thrilled And he ran back to the barn. He jumped in that big truck, turned it on, began to back it out of the barn. But he turned the wheel so sharp that he got the the truck wedged into the door of the barn. And then as he he was there, it didn't matter if he went forward or back. No matter what happened, he was either going to damage the barn or he was going to damage the truck. And that young boy was heartbroken. He's like, my grandfather's not going to trust me with his machinery. But there was nothing he could do. So he ran back to his grandfather. He said, Grandpa. You have to come. You have to get the truck unstuck. He said, his grandfather stood there silently looking at him for a minute, stroked his beard, and then he said to him, son, seems to me you got that truck stuck, so you should go back and get it unstuck. And that man said, never had I loved my grandfather as much as I did in that moment. Because in that moment, he realized that the dignity of this young boy in dealing with this and, and taking care of the problem was more important than a scratch on the fender of his farm truck. You see, there was in his grandfather a gentleness and a confidence that came from understanding the larger picture, the larger issues. And when a person walks with God over many years, they gain that kind of character quality. That when things get stuck and they don't go exactly the way that was planned, if they get kind of dented along the way, it's not the end of the world. Because God is in control. Because God is faithful. Because they've seen God's work in their life in the past. And it's this kind of gentleness and this kind of confidence in Abraham that allows him to simply say to Abimelech and Phicol, the commander, yeah, I'm glad to enter into a peace agreement with you. And so they do. But but that's not the only thing that happens. Look Look at what happens next in verses 25. It says, when Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done these things. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs you've set apart? And he said, these seven ewe lambs that you will take from my hand, this is that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. See, God has worked into Abraham's life both a gentleness and a, and a confidence, but also an understanding of the importance of dealing with the issues that come up between him and those around him. It turns out there is a significant issue between Abraham and Abimelech. 
Abraham's servants have dug a well, and Abimelech's servants have taken control of that well. And this was a big deal. This was a land that didn't have a lot of water all the time. And so now Abraham brings up the issue with Abimelech. And Abraham's learned a few things over the years, and he knows that if you genuinely want to live in peace with the people around you, that you have to deal with the issues. You can't just pretend that they're not there. And so he's straightforward about it. He's gentle and confident, but he doesn't ignore the issue. And he tells Abimelech, I'm not very happy about what your servants did. And Abimelech's response, I mean, it's a little testy, right? He's like, hey, no one told me. I didn't know. I have nothing to do with it. Not exactly the most friendly response, but a very telling response. See, he told Abraham that Abimelech genuinely had nothing to do with it. So how does Abraham respond? He takes Abimelech at his word. He says, okay. Okay, you didn't have anything to do with it? Great. Let's make peace. And they set up this peace agreement. And then he takes these ewe lambs and he says, and I want you to know, I really did dig that well. That well belongs to me. And Abimelech says, I accept your lambs. We're good. And and what could have become a real source of tension between these two men simply goes away. And this is the third thing that we see in people who persevere in following God. They learn how to act with wisdom. You know, in the past, when Abraham had a conflict with, uh, or, or there was problems in his life, he, his two go-to options were either run or lie. In fact, the last time that he met this king, remember he was worried about the safety of his wife? His response was to lie. Little white lie. She's, she's my sister. But that little white lie caused all kinds of problems between those two men. And now instead, he says, let's just deal with this right away. He goes right to the person to whom he has the problem. He comes out and tells him. And he finds out King actually didn't have anything to do with it. And so they found a solution so that they could live in peace. And that's wisdom. That's the thing that God calls us to. You know, too often when there's conflict in our world between us and our spouse or us and our roommate or us and our coworker or our boss, sometimes between us as believers... Too often our go-to response is either to run or to lie about it. We either just run away from that thing or we just tell a little white lie. Nah, there's nothing wrong. It's all okay. And we don't actually face the real issue. But you know when you follow God faithfully over years, you find out he is so faithful. He'll be with you. You can trust him. His ways are best. And, and, And so you learn the wisdom of seeking genuine reconciliation with others. And you go directly to that person, yourself. And you lay it out, this is a problem between us. This is what's bothering me. And their response might be kind of testy. They might be like, hey, well, here's here's what's going on. But at least you find out. And then you can solve that problem so that you can live in peace with the people around you. This is wisdom. And this is the kind of wisdom that Abraham has. And it comes from years of learning and seeing God's faithfulness in his life. There is great value and a beauty that comes when we continue to persevere in following after God. And then one more thing. Look at how the story ends in verses uh, 32 to 34. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. So they make their peace agreements. Abimelech and Phicol, they get up and leave. And what does Abraham do? 
Well, two things. First of all, he plants a tree. The Bible tells us it's a tamarisk tree. That's a tree that's native to that part of the world. It grows good in sandy soil. But it's a tree that's particularly useful. Uh, the leaves excrete uh, salt so that they can have salt. The bark is used for tanning. The wood for building and charcoal. But most importantly of all, this tree grows to be quite large and provides shade for the, the flocks to graze under. So there's great value in planting this tree. But here's the thing about planting a tree. It takes a long time to grow. It takes years before you get the benefits out of planting a tree like that. But Abraham plants this tree and then, then it says he worships the everlasting God. He worships the God for whom time and years are not an issue because ultimately he will accomplish everything that he said he would do. You see, as Abram has followed God over these years, God has instilled in him a deep and abiding confidence about the future. Not because Abraham knows what the next day is going to hold, much less the future, but because he knows that God has been so faithful to him in everything in his past. So he can be confident about the future. So he plants a tree, and he worships God, and he lives at peace in the land. And, and this kind of attitude about the, the future, a deep confidence and expectation that God will work things out the way that, that he promised he would, that's, that's what the Bible calls hope. And this is the, the, the last final characteristic that we see in the life of this man who has continued to follow God for many years. He has a deep sense of hope, a deep, confident expectation that God indeed will do what he says he will do and that he will care for him. And that allows him to live in peace in this land that God has brought him in, even as he's still a sojourner in that land. So this is just a little story in Abraham's life, but it paints for us a picture of what God can and will do for someone who follows him. Abraham's years of following God, some were easy, some were hard. He made some really wise decisions and he made some really dumb decisions. But no matter what happened, he continued always, always to follow God. And in the process, God developed him in, into his life these beautiful things. Perspective. And, and gentleness and confidence. And wisdom. And a deep, abiding sense of hope and peace when it comes to the future. And those are beautiful things. Those are the kind of things that we would love to have in our lives. This is a picture of what God can do in our lives. The Apostle Paul, maybe reflecting on this passage... Maybe just thinking of his own experience or those of the people around him. He writes these words in the book of Romans, chapter 5. He says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. In the hard things. In the difficult things. In the sometimes times when God seems to be far away. We rejoice in our, our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. Things like gentleness and confidence. And wisdom and character produces hope. A deep sense of confidence about the future because we know God's character and we know that we can trust him. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, the same pattern that happened in Abraham's life, the Apostle Paul says, will happen in our lives if we persevere, if we continue to trust. So let's keep doing that. No doubt already God has built a number of these things into your life. But if you're like me, there's still a ways to go. There's still much to learn. And so there is great value in, in, in keeping on. 
Don't stop trusting God. Whether you feel really close to him, like every day you're in close connection with him, or if it's been 13 years since you felt really close to him, you just keep going. Keep, keep, keep trusting him, even if you don't understand what's going on in your circumstances right now. One day you will look back and say, oh, I see what God was doing. I see how faithful he was. I see that he was preparing me for something that, that only he knew. And maybe you think that, you know, somewhere you made a really dumb mistake and it's messed up your life. Look at Abraham. He made some really dumb decisions and yet God worked in and through each and every one of them. If that's you, you keep trusting him. He's going he's to give you a, a good perspective on that. He's going to give you a gentleness and a confidence and he's going to give you a, a wisdom and ultimately a profound sense of his uh, plan for the future. Because that's who he is. That's his character. And you know, he will build these kinds of things into your life if you continue to trust him. Would you stand with me for closing prayer? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a faithful God. That even when we struggle, even when we feel far from you, even when we sometimes make really dumb mistakes, that you're God who never leaves us, never forsakes us. You never say, well, that's your fault. You live with it. But rather, Father, you come and you walk with us and you strengthen us and you restore and you redeem. Father, thank you that you're so good to us. Even though we don't deserve any of it, it's just your grace. And Father, I pray that through those hard times, through those times when we struggle, Father, that we would always persevere, that we would never take our eyes off of you, but instead would continue to press forward. And Father, we thank you that in your grace you build these beautiful things into our life, that there is a blessing for faithfully following you for so many years. And so, God, I pray for each person here, wherever they are in their journey with you, that you would strengthen them, encourage them, and remind them again of what a good God you are. And now, Father, as we leave this place, as we scatter to the various places that we're going to live and work and study, may you go before us, may you prepare the way, and may you use us again this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a good day.